attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times bestselling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. Welcome to The Brief, everyone. I'm Greg Jarrett. Well, it finally happened. It took three and a half years, but the truth has emerged. The origin or the genesis of the Russia hoax has been revealed, despite the best efforts of the FBI to bury the evidence forever. The hoax began with a shadowy figure by the name of Igor Denchenko. He's a Ukrainian-born U.S. resident, not a Russian resident, a U.S. resident, who worked for years at the far-left Brookings Institution in Washington, D.C. Now, Brookings is a mainstay of the Democratic Party, always has been. Denchenko needed money, big time. So in 2016, in the run-up to the presidential election, in exchange for cold, hard cash, Denchenko fed a bunch of worthless garbage, just made-up fables, really, to the nefarious ex-British spy Christopher Steele, who was being paid by Hillary Clinton's campaign to falsely portray Donald Trump as a Russian asset who was colluding with Moscow to steal the election. So this is what happened. Steele took Danchenko's trash, and he really made it stink even more by embellishing and misstating it in a set of memos that was dubbed the dossier. Steele and the disreputable Glenn Simpson, you remember him, he founded the notorious firm called Fusion GPS, then sedulously spoon-fed the big lie to James Comey's FBI. Steele and Simpson also furtively disseminated all of their dossier to the gullible media. Despite what the famously inaccurate and hopelessly biased New York Times would have you believe, it was the anti-Trump dossier that drove the pernicious, persistent narrative that Donald Trump was somehow a Manchurian candidate who plotted with the Kremlin. It was all a hideous lie, and anybody with an ounce of intelligence knew it, which, by the way, necessarily excludes the liberal mainstream media. Trump-hating journalists embraced the phony dossier as if it were biblical scripture. Anyone, such as myself, who said the dossier was an obvious lie, was roundly mocked and ridiculed and demeaned. The New York Times and the Washington Post even won a Pulitzer Prize for getting it wrong. You know, it's really stunning when you think about this. Journalists who got it right were condemned. Journalists who got it wrong won a prestigious award that they'll brag about until their dying day. And that, folks, is journalism today, sadly, tragically. Self-serving, self-absorbed people who pat themselves on the back for reckless and irresponsible work. When they're proven wrong, they never apologize. They never return their ill-gotten awards. They just move on to the next false story, the next hoax. It's truly despicable. In my latest book, Witch Hunt, I spend an entire chapter laying out in vivid detail the myriad of mistakes made by members of the media. I name names. I recount all their egregious errors, 
They're false accusations. But guess what? I'm willing to bet those people never read that chapter called The Media Hoax because these self-righteous elites are in constant denial. They reside in an echo chamber of groupthink, reinforcing each other's fake news. Objectivity? Forget about it. That's a myth. Standards of accuracy, fairness, and solid sources? Oh, those are now just quaint artifacts of a bygone era where truth was once the gold standard. Today's reporting constitutes media malpractice on steroids. And good luck if you're the average American trying to sort fact from fiction. The fiction all too often prevails. And so it was with the Russia hoax, the greatest mass delusion in American political history. As Igor Denchenko proved, inventing a lie is easy. As Christopher Steele and Glenn Simpson proved, spreading the lie is even easier. But as I have long argued, uncovering the truth is hard because the truth will always have its enemies. It's the inherent vice of corrupt men, men like James Comey, Andrew McCabe, and Peter Strzok, who once inhabited the halls of the FBI and deliberately fueled the Russia hoax. When they learned by confirmation that it was all a lie just four days after Trump was sworn into office, what did they do? They didn't tell the truth. They clammed up and they deliberately concealed it. Instead of telling the truth to Trump, to Congress, the American people, and especially the FISA court, that had given the FBI license to spy on Trump campaign associate Carter Page, Comey and company hid the evidence. They disguised the truth. They deep-sixed it somewhere in the bowels of the J. Edgar Hoover building. Instead of ending the FBI's misbegotten, illegitimate investigation, they did the opposite. They escalated it even though they knew it was bereft of support in both facts and evidence. How in the world did a small but powerful group of unelected government officials manage to convince tens of millions of Americans that the president was a traitor without a shred of evidence? They did it through corrupt acts and abuse of power. And of course, the help of the media, their partners in crime. The FBI first saw the dossier on January 5th, 2016. Why is that date familiar? I'll tell you why. It was the very day that James Comey stood in front of nationwide television cameras and microphones and wrongfully cleared Hillary Clinton of the crime she surely committed in her email scandal. It was Peter Strzok and his lover, Lisa Page, who sat down at a computer and helped sanitize Comey's findings in order to exonerate Hillary Clinton. So think about this. As Comey was clearing Clinton, unbeknownst to the American people, his FBI was simultaneously meeting secretly with Christopher Steele who handed over the first phony dossier memo. It was nothing more than the clever handiwork of Igor 
Danchenko's rich imagination and Steele's grand embellishments. Steele had recruited Danchenko months earlier to dig up dirt on candidate Donald Trump, that he was somehow colluding with Russia. So why Russia? Why Trump and Russia? Well, that's the interesting part of the story. The first seeds of that canard appear to have been planted by CIA director John Brennan, a longtime Clinton sycophant who hated Donald Trump. By law, of course, the CIA is prohibited from spying domestically. So what did Brennan do? He circumvented the law by outsourcing the spying to overseas allies, and he began spreading the hoax. The idea quickly germinated as Hillary Clinton sprinkled her campaign speeches with accusations that Trump was in bed with Vladimir Putin. It was rubbish, of course, but Clinton took it a step further. Through a series of disguised transactions, her campaign hired Glenn Simpson, who hired Christopher Steele, who hired Igor Danchenko. The dossier was conjured up from all of them out of thin air. Now, how exactly do we know this now? Well, it turns out that the FBI, desperate to prove the phony dossier was actually true, managed to track down Christopher Steele's primary source, Denchenko. Beginning on January 24th, 2017, just four days after Donald Trump was inaugurated, the FBI interviewed Danchenko for hours over three successive days. They went through each and every allegation contained in the dossier. And what did they discover? Complete fabrications, wild exaggerations based on completely unreliable double, triple, quadruple hearsay. Danchenko, apparently cash poor, actually told the FBI during these sessions that he, quote, felt like he had to report something back to Steele to justify the monthly salary being deposited into his bank account. So Danchenko decided to just traffic in gossip and rumor, innuendo, to keep all those paychecks coming. Forget facts or truth or evidence. Forget the incalculable damage to Trump, the presidency, and the American people. No. Danchenko had to pay his bills. So what the hell? Let's trifle with an election. Let's ruin the presidency and the institutions of government. Danchenko told the FBI he started working the phones. He spoke with a handful of people he knew in Russia. Others he described as, quote, random associates. Some of them were his barroom buddies with whom he would, quote unquote, drink heavily. So they all traded fairy tales about Trump over beer. It was nothing more than prattle and drivel. You know, a guy told a guy who told me that someone connected to Trump might have done thus and such. You get the picture. This wasn't reliable intelligence. It was scandalous junk derived from, quote, speculation and open secrets. Those were Danchenko's exact words in the FBI report. 
Danchenko insisted to the FBI that he repeatedly and consistently told Christopher Steele in no uncertain terms that his information was just, quote, rumor and speculation, and that he had not been able to confirm any of it. But Steele didn't care about that. He used it anyway. In fact, Steele took Danchenko's garbage and, according to the Department of Justice Inspector General, magnified it even more with other false information. Here's an example. Danchenko said he spoke with the staff at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in Moscow about that sordid story of Trump engaging in sexual improprieties inside a hotel room during an earlier brief visit to Moscow. This became, of course, known derisively as the so-called P-tape. It was nothing but an absurd story meant to smear and embarrass Trump. And, of course, it did. But Danchenko reported back to Steele that the staff of the Ritz-Carlton has simply laughed it off as utter nonsense. Not to matter. Steele used it anyway as one of the most damaging stories that bedeviled Donald Trump, principally because the media latched onto it like a pit bull. It was all a lie, and anyone with half a brain knew it. Again, this would exclude the brainless, biased media. Steele disseminated his tall tales to both the FBI and select journalists because he loathed Donald Trump. Steele confessed to the Department of Justice official Bruce Orr he was desperate to stop Trump from becoming president. Comey and the FBI knew this. Yet James Comey continued to tell the FISA court that Steele was reliable and that the dossier was credible. Quite the monumental lie by James Comey. Steele was also adept at lies and deceptions. He claimed his dossier was directly sourced. It wasn't. It was all second, third, fourth-hand jabber. Comey's FBI was equally dishonest. In FISA warrant applications, Comey stated that Danchenko was Russian-based. He wasn't. Meanwhile, the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, all treated the dossier as gospel without ever attempting to confirm the veracity of any of the ludicrous allegations. In story after story, journalists relied on anonymous leaks that were often just made-up lies. They didn't bother to check out the accuracy of the leaks before first reporting them. This is the definition of reckless journalism. A perfect example of this was a devastating report published by the New York Times, February 14, 2017, mind you, just three weeks after Trump took office. Now, this bombshell story claimed that the Trump campaign had worked with Russian intelligence agencies. And my goodness, the rest of the media ran wild with their hair on fire, claiming that this is now irrefutable proof that Trump is a Russian asset. Except he wasn't. And the Times story was all wrong. They elevated lying to an art form. A newly disclosed document shows how FBI agent Peter Strzok, in his own handwritten notes adjacent to that Times story, went through all of the main allegations and wrote down that they were untrue. 
In fact, the FBI did not have evidence that the Trump campaign worked with Russian intelligence, said Strzok. But the Times story, you see, took on a life of its own. It damaged Trump tremendously. That story helped drive the media witch hunt that endured for the next two years and more. And all of this was hidden from the American public, including that FBI summary of its three-day interview of Igor Danchenko. Why didn't then-FBI Director James Comey step forward, or his deputy Andrew McCabe, or even Peter Strzok? Well, the simple and logical answer is often the correct one. They hated Trump. They detested the man. They despised his policies. So they covered up the documents showing that the Bureau had discredited the dossier and repudiated the entire narrative that Trump had colluded with Russia. I want to say this about Attorney General William Barr and the new Director of National Intelligence, John Ratcliffe. They should be commended for having the courage to declassify these documents that have exposed the FBI's malevolence and malfeasance. And credit should also be given, interestingly enough, to cyber sleuths. They're the ones who pieced together recently the evidence that it was Igor Danchenko, who was Christopher Steele's primary source of misinformation and likely some measure of Russian-fed disinformation. Once Danchenko was outed online, his attorney was forced to confirm that it was true. So this invites the question, beneath what rock did Danchenko crawl from? Well, it should come as no surprise that he was a researcher and analyst for the liberal D.C. think tank Brookings Institution. Remember that name. At the very time that Strobe Talbot was president of the Brookings Institution. So who's this guy Talbot? Well, he's a fairly well-known former journalist who once served in the State Department during Bill Clinton's presidency. He is a dedicated Hillary loyalist. Talbot helped fuel the Trump-Russia collusion narrative. In fact, he penned a frenzied column stating with absolute certainty the following, quote, we already know that the Kremlin helped put Trump into the White House and played him for a sucker. Trump has been colluding with a hostile Russia throughout his presidency. End of quote. Those are the words of Strobe Talbot. Remember, Brookings Institution. Of course, after special counsel Robert Mueller issued his report that, gee, there's no collusion conspiracy, Talbot never offered a retraction or an apology. It turns out that back in 2016, as all of this was unfolding during the election, Talbot was consorting and probably conspiring himself with Christopher Steele as he was composing the phony Denchenko-driven dossier. They exchanged emails. Then Talbot helped distribute the dossier. How very cozy. You see, the web of connections equaled the web of deceit. Ah, but there's more. Wait. Talbot's brother-in-law is Cody Shearer, who is also a Hillary Clinton toady, 
who created what became known as the second dossier. Remarkably, the second dossier echoed several of the identical fantastic allegations as the original Steele-Denchenko dossier, equally bereft of evidence or any corroboration. In my book, Witch Hunt, I wrote extensively about how Cody Shear's false accusations against Trump were transcribed into the last few Christopher Steele memos in his dossier and then passed on to the FBI. In other words, Hillary Clinton's campaign not only commissioned and funded the phony dossier, her allies actually contributed to its contents. Oh, did I mention that Danchenko worked closely with Fiona Hill at the Brookings Institution? Remember her? Hill testified against Trump during the impeachment hearings. They were all circulating the bogus dossier, making Brookings an active participant in the Russia hoax. What's truly amazing and insidious is how many of these hoaxsters have prospered financially from their deceptions and corrupt acts, especially the most venal characters of all who were fired from the FBI, James Comey, Andrew McCabe, and Peter Strzok. Strzok is the latest to pen a soon-to-be-released book entitled Compromised, referring to Donald Trump, of course, not himself. The irony of that title should be lost on no one. Can you think of anyone more compromised than the notorious and smug Peter Strzok? His profane text messages to his lover, Lisa Page, are legendary for their bias and their hostility toward the very man that Strzok was investigating, Donald Trump. Of course, Strzok was sacked for his gross misconduct and the shame he brought on the FBI, so naturally he's shamelessly cashing in, seeking to profit from his own wrongdoing. The audacity of his book's title is exceeded only by Strzok's arrogant, pompous and pretentious and clueless. Andrew McCabe published a book called The Threat. Like Peter Strzok, he was actually referring to Donald Trump, but in truth, it was McCabe who posed the real threat. By his lies and malevolent acts, he threatened the rule of law and the integrity of the FBI. McCabe was a threat to everything we hold dear, truth and honesty. McCabe was fired, of course, for his own dishonesty, lying not once but four times, three of them under oath. He lied about his leaks to the media, even tried to blame other people at the FBI. What kind of a sick, demented person does that? Andrew McCabe, that's who. He should have been prosecuted, convicted, and tossed in the hooskow. Remember, it was McCabe who met secretly with Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein as he plotted to depose the president under the 25th Amendment and record Trump without his knowledge. It was an attempted coup. It was McCabe who pressured Rosenstein to appoint a special counsel to go after Trump. And it was McCabe who launched a new investigation of Trump without merit or cause. Two months before Mueller announced there was no collusion conspiracy, Andrew McCabe went on national television. He said he still thought Trump was a Russian asset. He was trying to gin up interest in his own book sales and pocket some money. Defaming Donald Trump? That was just part of his plan.
McCabe's inveterate lies make him a perfect fit for CNN, which hired him as a paid commentator. You've got to love that. A known liar hired by a network notorious for its own prevarications and debilitating bias. It's a match made in heaven. At least Andrew McCabe is in good company at CNN after James Clapper, the intel chief during the Obama years, leaked the dossier to CNN in 2017. What did the network do? They rewarded him with a lucrative contract. Clapper's best known for lying to Congress. So really, it's a liar's convention at CNN. Not to be outdone, MSNBC hired Peter Strzok's lover, Lisa Page, who joined Obama's CIA director, John Brennan, as a paid commentator. As I wrote in my first book, The Russia Hoax, it was Brennan who was the instigator of the hoax, while Moneybags Hillary funneled the cash through an elaborate scheme equivalent to a money laundering operation. She had to keep her dirty fingerprints off the greenbacks. It was a devious plan. Which brings us inexorably to the devious, egocentric, and vainglorious James Comey. This guy has really raked in the big bucks, leveraging for profit his own corruption and abuse of power. After he was fired as FBI director, he penned a pulpy piece of propaganda called A Higher Loyalty, Truth, Lies, and Leadership. Cue the laugh track. Comey wouldn't know the truth if it slapped him upside the head. Yet Comey loves to sermonize about lies and lying people. He adopts the mantle of purity. He preens behind false rectitude. In reality, James Comey is nothing but a fraud. He's a classic poseur. He feigns moralist principles while embracing unscrupulous tactics. And apparently Hollywood has bought into his BS. They're planning a dramatic miniseries adaptation of his book. Think about it. A drama series about the ultimate drama queen, James Comey. It's enough to make you nauseous. It was Comey who twisted the facts and contorted the law to clear Hillary. He launched an investigation of Trump based on phony evidence. He repeatedly defrauded the FISA court in order to spy. Comey engineered the plot to frame Michael Flynn, then laughed about it to an audience. He consistently lied to Trump by saying the president was not under investigation. He repeatedly gave misleading answers to Congress. He stole government documents, leaking them to the media. But, oh yeah, Comey assured Trump, quote, I don't leak, I don't do weasel moves. Comey is a disgrace to weasels everywhere. The wreckage that James Comey wrought will take years to repair. It's probably irreparable. As FBI director, he was a cancerous tumor. He betrayed the public trust. As a private citizen, he continues to spin his web of deceit while exalting his status as a martyr. James Comey is a monument to vanity and hubris. It's outrageous that he and others are allowed to profit from their corrupt acts.
I, for one, am hoping that U.S. Attorney John Durham will soon issue criminal indictments. A reckoning is long overdue. If I had my way, the whole gang of misfits and miscreants would be behind bars permanently because the damage they have done to our trusting government has been damaged permanently. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett.